glad you're here. My name is Crispina French, and I'm your host of the Rags to Riches podcast. I'm an OG textile alchemist, worked my way through art school making ragamuffins from thrift store sweaters way back in the 1980s. That college side hustle grew into a full-fledged business, and here I am to show you that you can do that too. Together, we'll navigate hurdles, challenges, and accomplishments while crafting your profitable textile upcycling business to serve you and the planet. My guests and I will cover topics including material sourcing, business savvy, product development, sales and marketing, and self-care. Overcoming struggles, celebrating wins, and reaping rewards of running your very own textile upcycling business is what we are all about. Are you ready to be inspired, energized, and supported? This is the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. This episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast is brought to you by The Unruffled. The Unruffled is a vibrant and feminine collection of slow-made garments and accessories handmade with love by Sandra Primo. Sandra is based in Austin, Texas, and every item she makes is thoughtfully constructed from finely sourced, reused textiles, favoring silks and lace and crochet. Bespoke, one of one, encouraging an infinite circle of recovery. Step into the world of The Unruffled at www.theunruffled.com. And visit the show notes page for this episode at Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com for links and more information. So today I am with a guest called Elu Hernandez. And Elu has actually, I've been kind of following you around Instagram for a while, Elu. Like, I didn't ever, um, I, I don't know, I just found your, your feed on Instagram and I just was kind of blown away by your the sensibility of the fabrics and how you put them together. And the work I've seen of yours is predominantly denim and we'll talk more about that. But this guy makes the most amazing, like just there's history in his work. You can see the history as you look at the work, you can see the stories that came with the fabrics. And um, I'm really excited to learn more about you and your process, LU. Welcome to Rags to Riches podcast. I can't wait to learn more. Thank you so much for having me. I think I just counted about 17 compliments all up, 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 up in a row. So that's a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. So um, share a little bit, like I know you live out in Colorado, right outside of Denver, and share a little bit about your process and how textile upcycling kind of fits in for you into the other things you have going on in your life. Uh, I wear multiple hats. I am a husband. I am a father to a now turned three-year-old. Uh, I work as a chiropractor. That's my full-time job. And then somewhere in on that priority list is is what I do with my with my creative side, and that's um, making things out of used things. I think that's one of the simpler ways of putting it. <clears throat> and I make quilts. I make stuffed animals. I make um, all kinds of other things, and I use reclaimed materials, used, sometimes people's trash, sometimes people's throwaways, um, and I try to try to make beautiful, functional things from those used materials. And so I get really excited by by trying to be as creative as possible, not in the design, but in the materials. See how much 
used materials I can use into pieces. And that's one of the motivating factors in my work. Which I have to say, I love. And it so imparts itself into the design. Like, I look at your work and I can see that. Like, one of the pieces that's coming to mind for me is one that you did out of all denim waistbands. I mean, let me just tell you, after, you know, I've upcycled a lot of denim in my life and I've thrown a lot of denim waistbands in the trash can. I hate, I mean, yep, I I actually did say that. I did. So, um, how cool. And so, how, like, what sparked your um, interest in reusing fabrics? I've had this conversation several times recently. And one of the, one of the, consistent reasons for different people is is the cost of materials. You go into uh, Etsy, you go into a Joann's, you go into a fabric store, and some of those factors can be overwhelming. The, the quantity of material, the cost of material, the colors, the, the uh, promotion of, of all those materials can be overwhelming. And so when I started out, I had the fear of cutting into some of those new materials. And what I found was that if I get a bed sheet or a shirt or a pair of jeans from a thrift store or from donation, I have a little I had a little bit easier time cutting into those materials. And so to answer your question, I think uh, the answer is cost and accessibility to some of these things. And you know, I have a list of favorite thrift stores, uh, both uh, both locally and regionally and those different thrift stores are on my priority list according to uh, the quality of materials the organization of the store the pricing um, different factors like that and i know which stores to go to if i need my bed sheets i know which stores to go to if i need some shirts i know which stores to go to if i'm looking for color or a certain design and so that's that's um how cool look at things yeah thank you that's really cool. And, you know, that brings to mind, like, don't you love, I mean, the thrift stores by me, I'm kind, I don't have it. It's not as organized as it sounds like you have it, but there are certain stores that organize all their stuff by color. So if I'm going to like, if I need to make something like I make these rainbow rugs, if I need to make a rainbow rug, I go into those stores and I, I find an empty rack somewhere in the back of the store. And I like put all my stuff out on hangers and make sure that it's like all the colors that I need. <laughs> and sometimes people think I work there and sometimes I roll with that and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Or, or sometimes I'm just like, no, 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 don't take those. Those are mine. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's really interesting how the different ways the materials are available really dictates how easy they are to use, how they become, um, you know, a, a, a source of our, when we're looking for fabric, we know which one to go to for what thing. That's really cool. So did you grow up with a sewing machine? Is that something that you've known how to use since you were a kid or how did that happen? My mother was a sewist and at a young age, I showed interest in uh, textiles in sewing a little bit in cross stitching. I was I've always been a tinker. I've always been creative. I've always been trying to make something out of something else. I, I've taken a, as a kid. I took apart so many things that I never put back together. So a tinker. And, and you're you're watching me through our screens, and you see that I'm constantly moving back and forth. I'm 
playing with my hands. I'm, I'm a fidgeter as well. And, and so, yeah, for a long time, uh, a long time ago, my mother taught me how to thread a sewing machine and how to run some stitches. And so I've had that in the, in the back of my mind for a long time. In the past 18 or 19 years is when I started to uh, rediscover that, that interest. And so uh, when my wife, my girlfriend at the time, before we got married, um, we lived in an apartment and I wanted to do woodworking. I wanted to do carpentry. I wanted to do gardening. I wanted to do uh, some kind of creative creative thing and living in an apartment didn't didn't allow that. So I had to find something else and um, I started I started making bags and I had leftovers because I'm a collector. And <laughs> as a collector, you save things and you put them on the shelf. <clears throat> and so uh, at one point when we were living together, she comes to me and she says, all the stuff that you have on these shelves is taking up my closet space. And so either you need to do something with those materials or I'm going to do something with those materials. And that's, that's a, a threat of some sort that, that she did, an ultimatum. And so I knew, I knew what she meant. And, and yes, I was taking up space uh, in a necessary or unnecessary way. And so at that time, uh, my sister was close to being married. And so I took a, a lot of these leftovers, which at the time were khakis. They were browns and tans and, and cream and brown colors. And so I took those and I made a quilt for, for her and her husband. Um, and it, the process for me at that time took about four months. And the final quilt was, was beautiful. It was a Mexico-themed wedding. We, we all went down to uh, a place near Cancun. And so the colors were, were great for that. Um, but more importantly, the, the product was wonderful. It came out really well. But more importantly, the, the process is what really, really hooked me. I loved the deconstruction, the, the original step in taking clothes apart. I loved the design aspect of it. I loved the piecing. I loved the quilting. And I loved the finishing. And all of those have an element of repetitiveness, of repetition, of monotony, if you want to call it that. And for some people, that's boring and, and very much not what somebody wants to do. But for me, I find that there's a, a therapeutic and even meditative quality to those to those repetitive processes. And so that's one of the things that I really like and I feel that I really need on a, not necessarily a day-to-day -day basis, but at least a weekly or monthly basis. I need to yeah. get into those kinds of activities for my own sanity. It's so interesting, Elu. Like, the it, over the last couple of years my my relationship to textile upcycling has really changed and for years i ran a production company and i had a bunch of employees and um my dad was an artist and he asked me one day what are you making in the studio today and i said oh and i thought about it and i was like oh my gosh i'm making emails and phone calls that's what i do every day and that really sparked me to kind of think about how I was structuring my life and get back to that place where I could also sit in that, I call it mindless productivity. It's like cutting the, you know, 420 squares that I need for this particular blanket or, you know, you know, and then sewing them and just like that repetitive, it's like, um, it's like a rhythm that just brings me into, you know, maybe it's called flow state. I think that's what flow state is. I'm not sure, but I totally love that too. And over the last Really, I think it was just about a year ago where I was like, okay, 
I'm not going to make more product to sell. I, I, I want to just um, focus on making for myself and for my family and, you know, focus on my podcast and do the other things that I do. And it was really recently, like in the last 90 days where I was just like, I, I, I can't, I can't, I, I need to make, I need to make and sell. <laughs> I need to get back on that sewing machine. I need to, it, you know, there's so much, I find so much satisfaction and joy in fixing my sewing machine so that it runs like a top, you know, like it doesn't, there's no hitting, like, you know, when you turn the needle and if it, if it, if you can hear the needle hit like a piece of metal, it's not right. <laughs> and I love, like, I got all my screwdrivers and my little attachments and, you know, my glasses and I get in there and it's just, there's so much, uh, uh, satisfaction, contentment, uh, actualization in that process for me. And it sounds like that's kind of what you find in your making process as well, right? I, I Yes, I fully, fully agree with that. Um, you called your relationship with textiles uh, an ongoing evolution. And I, I absolutely feel the same way. Um, right now, I'm, I'm very interested and almost uh, probably obsessed with denim. Um, but that's that's evolved as well. And it could evolve into something else. Um, so yes, that's that's so interesting to hear you talk about. And to your audience, I love how animated your hands are all over the place. You're so excited to talk about all of this stuff. Your, your inflection and, and your volume change, and you're all over my screen right now. It's fantastic. <laughs> and the thing is, like our our podcast listeners only get to hear us; they don't get to see us. But that's okay. I think that it's um. It's nice to have this, like you and I can share, like it's, it's, it might sound a little weird and I don't want it to, but it's sort of like this intimacy that we get to share by seeing each other while we get to share our conversation with people who, um, you know, just listening for me, I, I get overwhelmed like you in the fabric store with all of those choices and colors and the kind of bombardment of, you know, uh, merchandising and marketing and I get overwhelmed with video input. I can't like, I have, I love my life. I love to look at what's around me. I don't, I have a really hard time focusing on video content. And I think I was raised without a television. And I think that has something to do with it. Like I can't, I, I have to either watch it or I have to just not watch it. I can't kind of half watch it. So yeah, I like the, I like the audio um, ness of a podcast. So, um, so you're making denim right now. The work I've seen of yours is amazing. I love how you deconstruct and you, sh you kind of unfold and, and, um, bring to light the history of, you know, the, the parts of the denim that are not faded next to the parts that are. And like, it tells the story for me. Like I really, uh, probably cause I know a lot about how, those things came to be like, I can understand, oh, there was a belt loop there or, oh, that's the inside of the seam that never saw the light of day or whatever. So, um, I'd love for you to share a little bit, like when you're, so do you, you're making, you just make, and then you sell your work, right? Correct. Yeah. And I, I make for the sake of making, mm -hmm. and if, if I'm, uh, lucky enough to be able to sell some of it, I, I consider that a bonus. It's beautiful stuff. I, I just, I, I, I think that, um, your aesthetic is, is, uh, there's like a simplicity, but also, uh, rugged and, um, 
it's yours. It's your own. Like I haven't seen other work that is similar to yours, and I I think that for me is um, a really strong indication of being in touch with your own creativity and not necessarily the influence of those around you. Thank you. That's that's a wonderful compliment, and um, I'd like to touch on that. Uh, a few minutes ago, you talked about um, <clears throat> about an idea and a design and then an execution of that in what I think of as the process for most quilters. For my process, I like to deconstruct. I like to take pieces. I like to use as many materials as possible in their, in their raw state. And so oftentimes I'll get faded versus unfaded, the way you described. Sometimes I'll get weird shapes. Sometimes I'll get tiny little swatches from a belt loop or uh, incredibly awkward dimensions like a waistband. And I want to incorporate as much of that into a piece as I can. And when that happens, the materials turn out to dictate the design and not the other way around. And so I love that part of the process as well. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I want to, I want to be creative. I want to be unique. I want to do stuff that I've never seen before. And if I have an idea, I will research it and I will see if it's been done, how it's been done, how I could do it differently. And that's part of my thought process when I'm, when I'm doing these, these kinds of things. That's so cool. Now, I just want you to think about this for a second. Imagine if you just went to the Joann's. You would not, you're, you're, you know, I, again, I'm thinking about the belt loop quilt, which was the first piece I saw of yours. I mean, I'm sorry, not belt loop, but the waistband quilt. There's so much more creativity in the execution of that work than there would be. I mean, you would, you probably wouldn't, I, I don't, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm imagining that you might not have thought of cre creating these very long, narrow rectangles from new fabric. So, you're like this, you're like a conduit, like you're taking something that is uh, garbage in some people's eyes, right? And you're going like, no, it's not. Let me, let me, let me process that. Let me find this joy, this contentment in my soul. And in that process, I'm going to take, and I'm going to show you something that is trans it's it's there's a transformation that is very visible in your work and i feel like now in this conversation i understand that there's even more meaning to that than the actual finished piece because the 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 process and that that piece that you get to participate in right um a hundred percent everything yeah. you just said i i agree with and that that is how i feel as a, as i'm doing those things yeah thank you awesome so now um I wanted to learn more about like your machine and how, where, you know, what type of equipment you use and that kind of thing. But I think we should take a quick break. And if you are, um, if you didn't already hear, I'm talking with Elu Hernandez, who is, um, his company is actually called Made or Remade. And if you guys want to see some really notable textile upcycling, go to his Instagram, Made or Remade. And we are going to come back in just a quick second. Today's episode of Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast is brought to you by Swanson's Fabrics. Are you a textile-centric crafter who loves vintage yardage, unusual fabrics, notions, and sewing tools and tutorials? Maybe you are a sewing teacher in need of cool and inexpensive cloth for students. 
Whether sewing high-end bespoke couture or experimenting with new textile-making processes, SwansonsFabrics.com, located in the heart of Turner's Falls, Massachusetts, has just what you need. You can shop online or at the very well-organized and jam-packed store. Swanson's Fabrics is a thrift shop of fabric, notions, and textile tools. It's a community repurposing the leftover collections of home sewers, addressing the reality that we have enough fabric and craft supplies for generations stored right in our very own attics and closets. Swanson's makes it very easy to pass on an excessive fabric stash and find inspirational treasure for sewing projects. Additionally, Katherine Swanson hosts an online group for entrepreneurs interested in using her business model for fabric thrift stores in their communities. Find Swanson Fabrics at swansonfabrics.com and on TikTok and Instagram. Awesome. So we are back with Elio Hernandez from Made or Remade. And we were just chatting about his process and he does do a lot of amazing work in denim. And I love denim as well. And I find that sewing equipment sometimes does not love denim that much. <laughs> I remember um, going through a few of my mom's sewing machines and having her be like, how did you break another sewing machine? Um, so do you have an industrial machine that you use? What do you use for sewing? I have a small, compact, uh, store-bought machine. And the way someone donated a machine to me, and I, it was heavy duty, it was cast iron, it was beautiful. I can't remember the brand name, but I went to go get it repaired so that I could start using this for, for denim. And the people there said, this piece is so old, the parts are so difficult to find that it's not going to work out for you. So we can give you a rebate if you purchase one of our machines. And I explained to him that I was going to be doing uh, denim, khaki, canvas, heavier materials. Maybe I was going to work with light leather. I, I wasn't sure at the time. And he goes, aha. And he took a, a machine, he took a piece of denim, and he folded it. And he ran it through the machine. Butter. He folded that again, four layers, and he folded it again into eight layers. And, and uh, this was a baby lock machine, <clears throat> small, compact, but packed a punch. And I almost threw my credit card at him uh, in, in anticipation of purchasing this because that's exactly what I wanted. It had it has some stitches and something fancy, but for the most part, what I need is penetration through through multiple layers of denim and I need consistency, and that's what this provides. The throat size is just a few inches, so it's not, it's not something that's gonna be for everybody, but for my needs, um, it, it works out really well. When it comes to some of my other equipment, um, I go by the, same, by the same set of rules as, as other parts of my work, in that I wanna use, uh, use materials, I wanna, I want, donations or I want thrifted or I want used in some other way. And so, yeah, uh, a lot of my tools are from local smaller stores that are essentially thrift stores for art supplies. <clears throat> there's one in Denver and there's one in Boulder that I frequent. Uh, and, and those places have used materials that they accept donations from the States. Uh, they accept people's personal donations. Um, they acquire their used materials from other sources, and that's that's where I like to, to shop. Um, 
at this point, my textiles, uh, I, I get those from donations. I rarely purchase those anymore. I've done a lot of thrifting. I, I've gone through my own closet. But at this point uh, in, in my work, I depend on donations. I, I guess I misphrase that because I don't depend on donations. I have so much material that I am not allowed to accept donations. <laughs> my wife has been very clear about don't accept any more donations. And so um, sometimes I have to go thrifting or accept some donations. But for the most part, currently where I'm at, I, I have enough materials to last me a lifetime. And that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think um, cool about the machine and cool that you have a local provider so that, you know, what I get asked about equipment a lot. and. Um, you know, I I just was sharing about how I, I fixed my own machine, which I love doing, but a lot of people don't love doing that. And, you know, when you have a local place, you can go and say, hey, there's something wrong or I need to have, you know, I need a stitch that's slightly different or whatever to have somebody to speak to really um, helps a lot, I think, um, for people to find the right thing because you really just don't know when you're shopping without expertise to um, establish like what machine is going to do that stitch for me, you know? Um, and we have a little a place that's not too far from me. And it's the same thing. I send people there who are local to just learn about all the different options um, and see them in work, you know, as you know, working on this on the floor so you can actually try them out if you want to and fold that denim and get those eight layers through there. Right. That's awesome. Um, and then as far as the material thing goes, I think that, um, I think sometimes, and I think that, you know, as textile upcyclers, oftentimes we get, we are very thrifty, right? That's what we do. We're, we, we're always looking to like reuse. And so I think that has, there's really good pieces of that. And there's also things that kind of tend to stand in people's way. I feel like uh, because of that kind of predisposition to being thrifty. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're going to find materials and you're going to have them. And, you know, if, if um, your wife might not be, she, she, you know, she's accepting, she's like, cool, but she's like, there's the, uh, you got enough now. Now, everybody needs a wife like yours and to tell you, you got enough now because some people have way too much and it's sort of that overwhelm again, like that fabric store, right? Like, where do I start? What material do I use? And I am very careful about the material I bring into my studio because I need to know that it's going to move through my studio and not get stuck. And I oftentimes, I, I do, like, I just actually purged a ton of stuff because it was just, it was not moving through my studio. And I just needed to, like, clear my head and get that creative thought process back so it wasn't like, well, I have this stuff, so I might as well use it. But it was more like, oh, okay, now I can re kind of refresh, right? Um, so... I wonder about that, like when you're, well, and then the other thing I just want to circle back to before I ask you the question is, I think the thing that's another, another beautiful aspect of textile upcycling is you say, oh, I get all donations. What that means is that you have a ton of relationships with people who know what you do and appreciate your work, right? How yes. beautiful is that, right? Like your community said, oh, Elie is going to need this. Like I have this beautiful pair of jeans that is not serving me anymore. I'm going to give them to him. So um, there's uh, so many places where, you know, maybe relationships are not necessarily um, honored or, or thought of as being such an integral piece of how the world works. But I believe that 
relationships are how we walk through the world. And when, you know, and it could be a relationship with your male delivery person who shows up once a day, hey, how you doing? Or, you know, who the, the grocery store bagger or whatever. Or it could be a relationship with someone who, you know, brings you boxes of denim or whatever it is. And it's just a lovely way to promote the, the reuse aspect, right? Like for people who yep. might not have thought of it. I totally agree. Uh, you said that one thing this says about me is that I've formed these relationships, um, being able to depend on the donations of, of these kind people. The other thing that it says about things is that there is an abundance of materials that is not new, that is not expensive, that is not at your local big box store. I am very convinced that if all of us stopped buying new for even a few days, that we could get a lot of materials um, from in, in a used context. And I think uh, without, without trying to wag a finger in anyone's face or, or slap, uh, slap those ideas into somebody, I, I want to influence, I want to encourage in a kind, gentle way that, that we all have that ability. We all have that access to, to materials that are beautiful, that are practical, and that are used. That is so beautiful. It's so true. It is so, and it, it's such a lovely thing to just like acknowledge. And I'm, I'm so glad that you brought this up because people often ask me like, how did you start your business? And I started my, my business when I was 19, I was a college student and I didn't have any money. I was working three jobs and I was going to college and I was paying for myself to get through college. And I just started making these little stuffed toys that are called ragamuffins. And I remember like thinking for year for years actually that like why doesn't everybody do this like it's you just go to the thrift store with twenty dollars and you buy enough material to make a couple hundred bucks and you, i mean at the time i didn't even have a sewing machine i had a needle and yarn and i got through college like it's it's so accessible and i feel like it's such an important piece of textile upcycling to maintain that accessibility for because really like really anybody who is wants to and when i say want you have to really want can start a textile upcycling business like all you need is a pair of really good scissors and 20 bucks and a thrift store or good friends who have i mean you don't even need good friends you can just go in your closet for the most part but you know really it's not hard and it's not um it takes a lot of creative ingenuity. It takes uh, experimentation. It takes all the things that that you and I have both done in our lives to come to a place where we're comfortable with the process that we've created for ourselves, our making process. But it's um it's joyful and it's um it's necessary. I feel like, and I think that it's it does tell a story. That's another piece of it, right? Like every single thing that you make tells a story of what that material was beforehand and. You know, I love it because I love that, but somebody else is going to love it and they're not going to know exactly why they love it until they realize and that light bulb goes on and they're like, oh my goodness, it's jeans, you know, and it takes them a minute. Have you experienced that with people? Repeatedly. Isn't it beautiful? It's beautiful. It happens on a regular basis. And with my work 
if I hold up one or two quilts or, or different pieces, people can tell, yes, that's, that's denim. Yes, those are blue jeans. Um, but when they look a little closer, that's when I see the light bulb or the aha kind of moment that, oh, those are waistbands. Oh, that hole is a buttonhole. Oh, that is a, a belt loop. Or, or that is a pocket, or that is some other part, very specific part of a pair of jeans. And, and I do love that moment of realization when, when that happens. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, yeah. And it's also, I think that because, you know, we all wear clothes every day that it's, it's familiar. It's almost like nostalgic. It like brings a memory of like, oh, that pair of jeans I had when I was, you know, in high school or whatever. Like it, it just, it just brings, a, there, there's a story that is evoked in the viewer's mind of a connection to that piece, I feel like. Yes. It's, it's a wonderful compliment when, when I hear something like that. Um, some of the pieces that I make, uh, one of the nicest compliments I've received recently was an artist in a different context who who acquired one of my pieces. And as he was describing it, he said, I see things from several feet away, I can see something. If I take two steps forward, I see something else. And when I get up almost face to face to material or face to face with it, that something else appears. And, and that's part of the realization that I was talking about. That's part of what you just mentioned in that there's the nostalgia part of it when you recognize it for being jeans. If you step closer and, and you recognize that it's belt loops or waistbands or pockets, that brings another level of understanding to it. And then when people get up really close, they see the stitches or the thread or, or some other minute details that, again, another level of realization. And for the work that I do, another piece that we haven't talked about yet is the thread that I use to hand quilt some of these, these pieces. Um, I save the waistbands, I save the pockets. I've got 15 pounds of zipper flies currently in a bag, pockets, rivets. And one of the things that I've been most excited about recently is that I harvest usable lengths of thread from these same blue jeans. And I, and I wind that up onto pieces of cardboard or spools of other kinds. And I use that thread to hand quilt Recently, in the past two years, almost all of my quilts I've used to, I, I've quilted with that you know, harvested thread. And so this, this person who was getting up face to face with this quilt, that's what he was noticing in, in that comment that, oh, there's thread and there's hand stitching and there's another level of beauty in, in those pieces. That is so cool. That is just amazing. I love that. And, you know, I wonder if you take such pleasure in harvesting that thread. Like I love unpicking stuff. Like I hate seam rippers, but I love to like actually pull the thread through. So it's like big, long pieces as I go. That's awesome. So Elu, how, what do you see yourself? Like, how do you imagine your work evolving over the next say year and a half or two years? Like, are you thinking about some new work? Are you experimenting with new fibers or fabrics and types of clothing? What do you, what do you see? What's kind of on the um, horizon for you? I am so obsessed with denim at the moment. I can't imagine deviating in a big way. I can't imagine deviating too much from that. 
I, I do have projects that involve uh, khaki or canvas at the moment. I have projects with with uh, shirts, with men's cotton button-down shirts. Um, I have some leather pieces that are in the works, but for the most part, I will continue to work with denim for the foreseeable future. Um, the way I'm getting creative about it is that I'm starting to use different pieces of those blue jeans that I've collected. <laughs> um, and right now I'm working on a piece that is using what are called fly shields or fly extensions from a pair of jeans. And that's the part that supports the zipper in a pair of jeans. And when when we zip up and down and when we tug on our waistband and tug on the rivets and the main button, um, that part of the jeans, the zipper fly shield, is one that takes a lot of use and some abuse if you want to describe it that way. And so when I when you open it up, it, it shows unfaded parts. It shows a nice worn uh, folded seam. It shows sometimes holes for the reinforced stitching that, that has to go into it. And, and it shows contrasting levels of color, contrasting levels of wear, contrasting levels of usage, and they come out so beautifully. And, and I've collected so many of those. I, I think I have about a hundred currently um, that I can use. And I've taken almost half of those in one of my, in one of my pieces that I'm working on now. And for your audience who can't see, um, I'm incorporating those fly extensions into into accents for a current quilt that I'm working. Oh my goodness! Uh, you guys have to. We're going to definitely share an image of this. Oh my goodness, you guys! It's like shibori. Beautiful, beautiful. So we need a picture of that to put on the show notes page. I will get you a photo. Unbelievable! It sort um, of reminds me almost of origami. Oh. I haven't thought of that, and that's wonderful. Like, oh my goodness! Okay, so this is beautiful. So, um, yeah, we're gonna need so all of the information that we've been talking about will be available on our show notes page. You guys, you can find that at ragstoriches.eco. Lu Hernandez is gonna be, um, you know, our guest, obviously, and a made or remade is his uh, Instagram place to find him. Now, Elu, you don't have a website right now. So Instagram is the best place for people to reach out if they want to get in touch. Correct. Cool, cool. And then I noticed as well on your Instagram that you had like a show and there was a link there. You could like look at a bunch of images of your work. So poke around his Instagram. There's a little like some details that are kind of um, really interesting and and show some of the historical pieces that um, you were working on and 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 also your, your new and current stuff. So um, really awesome. I'm so excited to have had this opportunity to chat with you and just learn more about your process. Um, I hope that we get to stay in touch because I, I actually have a big pile of denim that, I mean, I don't know if I should send it to you like in an unmarked box or. <laughs> <laughs> I think my wife's going to be hearing this. So I, I, won't, I won't. What's your wife's name? <laughs> Marissa. Marissa. I won't send it, Marissa. I won't. Um, <laughs> Awesome. Well, is there anything that you'd like to share before we um, sign off on our episode? I, I just feel like there's so much richness that we've discussed, but there might be something we didn't talk about. Thank you. Um, you know, I think we could continue the conversation for another hour or two, uh, but to, to 
just continue on the point that I was making. I'm, I'm using those fly shields. Uh, the piece that I sold recently uh, included belt loops, tiny, tiny swatches that take a considerable amount of time to deconstruct and to make usable. Um, I've used waistbands in five different quilts. I'm in the process of using pockets and I'm in the process of incorporating zippers, zipper flies into, into upcoming pieces. Uh, the ideas are endless. They come pouring out of the head. It's the other resources, the time, the energy, the motivation, the money um, that, uh, that limit, that, that are more limiting in their nature. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. always, always thinking and always creatively uh, thinking about what to do. That's so cool. And I'm just, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I really um, look forward to just watching your work progress and um, staying in touch because it's, you're, you're, you're really onto something really super beautiful. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, so I'm over here and I'm serving you a giant air hug because you just finished another episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Thank you for being with me. Our music is provided by The Lucky Five. Learn more about them at theluckyfive.com. Our show is produced and edited by Vandal Hyacin. If you want to dive in deep, head over to Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com. <laughs>